0: That was uh, really, really great Uh, singing and worship, uh, beautiful. We got some talented people here. I know that you enjoyed it, whether it's in your home or your uh, apartment or whatever. I'm Pastor Rick Countryman, and I'm really excited uh, to unpack the Word of God for you. It, uh, it's had a, this, this text has had a great impact on my life already. So I want you to take your, your Bibles, okay, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, okay, and just put your finger in there. But before I get into this, let me, uh, let me just kind of circle back on something that Pastor Bobby shared, and that is the membership class that's coming up this next Saturday. So uh, like you here at the church, we've been doing a lot of firsts. Okay, Uh, and this is going to be the very first time I ever do a membership class through Zoom. And um, all you have to do is go onto the website, say you want to join the membership class, you want to become a part of it. And uh, Eric, uh, Pastor Eric's going to get a hold of you, and he's going to send you the Zoom link and he'll send you the documents that you need to have there, and I'm gonna be right down here. It's gonna be live, it'll be absolutely live, and I'm looking forward to having uh, a great time with all of you who want to become a part of our church family, and here's the deal. I couldn't think of a a better moment for for you, if you know Christ as your savior, to say, wow, I wanna become a part of Big Valley Grace, if you're not a member of our church and you're out there, you ought to sign up and this weekend, this Saturday, nine o'clock, become a, a part of our family here. It's only gonna be about an hour long, okay? So make sure you go and sign up. So, so it was last weekend that Pastor Joel kicked off our brand new series on the, 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 the rock, stability to weather the storm. And that was, um, that was an incredible message. If you didn't have a, a, a chance to, uh, to listen to it, you need to go to our website, pull it up, and this week at some moment spend 40 minutes because it was super powerful. Um, and this whole series is based on the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, and I want to just begin by reading those. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. Jesus said this. Okay, this wasn't one of his disciples. This wasn't, you know, somebody else in the narrative. These are the actual words of Jesus. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock okay everyone then who hears these words of mine okay right here and does them they're obedient to what god's word says is like a wise man who built his house on the rock okay that, that, that's a pretty weighty statement Verse 25 says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock, been founded on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. In fact, great was its fall. So Jesus says, hey, look, people are gonna hear my word and there are basically two kinds of people, right? Those that hear the word and they're obedient to it, they hear what Jesus said and they build their life on this. Or you have those that will hear hear the word, some of you out there right now are gonna hear the word, and yet you're gonna make a different choice. You're gonna say, wow, that was really nice, The nice camera angle, I, I really like what you guys are doing, and you know, you're a pretty good speaker, I kinda like the music, but you're gonna make the choice not to do it, not to obey it. And of course, that has a consequence also. So, with this said, We've read the text. I, I I wanna begin by giving you a few uh, marriage statistics, okay? I think they're on your screen. Um, 42 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And you can Google this, and you'll find statistics one way or another, but, but that's about the average of 42 to 50% of first marriages will end in divorce. 62% of second marriages will end in divorce. 75% of all third marriages will end in divorce. Isn't that that kind of weighty statistics? We as Americans have one of the highest, if not the highest divorce divorce rates in the world. And I was thinking a lot about that. In the United States, there is one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces per day, 16,800 divorces per week, and 876,000 divorces a year. That's kind of kind of staggering statistics. Beloved, if GM or Ford or Chrysler produced a car with these kinds of statistics, right, a a car where half of them were falling apart on the road, it would be considered a national epidemic, right? In fact, you'd see all kinds of legislation coming from the government to do something about it. But as it relates to the divorce rate, it seems as if nobody really cares. In fact, um, it seems like Christians really don't care all that much. Or maybe the better word is they just don't care uh, enough. God said this in Malachi chapter two. God said, I hate divorce. Now, there's a lot of things that God hates. But I think it's really interesting that in the word of God, he makes, um, he, he makes this statement. He makes sure that he lets everybody know that he hates divorce. And yet we have a national epidemic on our hands. In fact, I, I would say we have a church epidemic on our hands. Now, today I, I want to talk about the why. And some of you are probably going, well, what does this have to do with the text that you read, those words of Jesus? Well, you'll see how this all fits together, I hope. And so today I want to talk about the why. I want to talk about why so many marriages crash and burn, why so many marriages end in divorce. And it all comes back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. And so I want you to know whether you're married or single or you're engaged or whatever it is, you're gonna learn something today. These words of Jesus are gonna be powerful and they're gonna have, uh, they they could literally change your life, they could change your marriage today. You see, we can take what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven and apply it to marriage. You can, uh, can apply it to your marriage or maybe even your future marriage. You can make the choice to build your marriage on the rock. You can make that choice to build your life, your marriage on the words of the Lord, or you can make the choice not to build your life or your marriage on the rock or what God's word has to say. And here's the deal. The choice that you make, am I gonna build my life and my marriage on this, or am I gonna build my life and my marriage on something else? The the choice that you make, I want you to know, comes with incredible consequences, either choice. So today I wanna maybe do my best to get you ready for some some of the storms that will come into your life and marriage. They're, they're going to come and it's an it's inevitable that storms are gonna hit your life, that storms are gonna hit your marriage. I guarantee you, okay, that a storm, more than one storm, more than one hurricane, more than one tornado, whatever word you want to use, is gonna come and 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 ram up against your life and against your marriage. And I think one of the reasons why so many marriages fail is because they're not ready for these storms. They're not prepared, okay? I have talked over the last couple of weeks with a lot of, um, especially men, a lot of phone calls with men. And there's a lot of tension in a lot of homes. As You know, great things are happening. I mean, it's unbelievable how, how God's people are doing great things out there every day. But there's also a lot of tension in a lot of homes right now. This coronavirus has has caused, you know, some friction in homes. And all of a sudden, maybe maybe you lost your job or you're not working as much or you're worried about how you're going to pay the bills or you're worried about, you know, how you're going to buy some food. And all of a sudden, all your kids are home. They're not going to school. And there's this tension that is in homes right now. And so what I want to do is I just want to talk a little bit about some of the storms that that are going to come, okay? And then I'm going to pray, and Tim's going to have a, a song we're going to sing, and then Pastor Bobby's going to come and, and and close our time. So I want to just talk about these storms that will come. I've, I've done this in the past. I've talked about these storms in the past, but this will be a great moment maybe to... to um, Re-examine them, okay? So, so the first storm is this, is that you and your spouse need to be prepared for the culture that you live in, okay? You and your spouse need to be prepared for the, for the storm, the tornado, the, the hurricane that's gonna hit your life, and, it, and that's the, 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 the culture. This might be the rains that came, the Bible tells us that our culture is going to get just crazier and crazier the closer we get to the return of Christ. And obviously, we are living in a weird time right now. None of us could have, could have dreamed you know, about this moment we're living. I want you to listen to what uh, Paul wrote to a young preacher named Timothy. He said this in 2 Timothy chapter. 3 He said, "You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves. They're going to be self-centered, and they're going to love their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred." They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than love God. They will act religious. They will act like they're spiritual but they will reject the power that could make them godly or make them righteous. Now, I don't know about you, but that text we just read, wow. That that sounds like today, doesn't it? It sounds current. Now, don't text me or email me or call me or private message me and say, hey, do you think we're in the end times? I don't know. I don't know whether we are or not. I mean that that was written two thousand years ago. And I know we're closer today than we were, you know, yesterday. I don't know whether we're in the end times. All I know is is you can read that passage and go, wow, it sure sounds like it's current. And I don't have time to go through everything that Paul mentions here, but but I I do want to mention three things that will kill or erode your marriage, and and they're found in that text right there. <clears throat> and the first one is this: the uh, me-first attitude is going to mess up your marriage, right? Or we, we would call this humanism. Paul Paul said, people will become utterly self-centered. That, that's a, that, that's, a, that, that's a, a something that you're going to see in this storm, this cultural storm, that's going to hit your marriage. Humanism is the desire to put me first. It's the attitude of, I've got to do what's best for me. Humanism basically says, I want what I want when I want it. And when you have this attitude, your marriage is never going to work. Never. Now, if you're single, I, I suppose you can have this attitude. But, but once you get married, me has to become we. To you get that? Once you say, I do, me has to now become we. You've got to say, what is best for us? What's best for us as a couple, what's best for us as a family. Now, the, 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 the second thing I think Paul brings out is, the, is a, a money-first attitude. That'll mess up your marriage. This is, this is what you might call materialism. Paul said in that text, people will become greedy for money. Beloved, it's unbelievable how many marriages have been ruined because of materialism The culture of materialism, that storm hits their life. You you bought things you couldn't afford, which then led you to become so overcommitted and overextended trying to keep up with all the payments that you didn't have time for each other anymore. You had to put more and more hours in. And then all of a sudden children came along and you didn't have time necessarily to spend with your kids. Another great example of how materialism Well, effect of marriage is the the prenuptial agreement. I saw this BC cartoon where BC is looking up the definition of prenuptial agreement in a dictionary, and this is what it says. Quote, a prenuptial agreement is an agreement between two people who love each other almost as much as they love their possessions. Huh. Now, I think there are times when a prenuptial agreement is, is needed and wise, like if it's a second marriage and you brought kids into your first marriage and assets and things like that. And, 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 and I'm not saying that a prenuptial agreement isn't a wise thing at, time, at times, but most of the time a prenuptial agreement is, isn't needed. It's basically a document that says my stuff is my stuff, and it's always going to be my stuff, but I do love you. That's basically what a prenuptial agreement is. Now, the third thing that will erode your marriage is this, a pleasure-first attitude, right? We would call this hedonism. That's that's a cultural storm. This is the, the feel good, you know, if it feels good, do it kind of an attitude. Forget morality, forget what's right, just do whatever feels good. And those are some of the things that Paul mentions in 2 Timothy. These these are some of the cultural shifts that you'll begin to see. And that storm, beloved, if you're not prepared for it, if you're you're getting married, maybe you're single, maybe you're a teenager and someday you want to be married, look, you got to remember that that storm, the storm of the culture shifting is going to come and you gotta be prepared for it. In 2 Chronicles chapter two, it says this about a particular group of people. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relative relatives. All of these men understood the signs of the times, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. Let me tell you something. Uh, whether you're the husband or the wife, okay, or you're, you know, the guy and, and the gal, you're, you're, you're the fiance, you know, doesn't matter who you are. Here's the thing. You, we, we've got to become like the men of Ishikar. We have to be able to see the signs of the times. We have to be able to see the cultural shift and not only see it, but then go, okay, what do I do? the culture around me is battering my life the culture around me is battering my marriage the culture around me is battering my family and so 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 what do i do we need to be like the men of Ishikar. What, what 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 do you do well here's the deal You've got this me first, money first, pleasure first attitude, and I think what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 is a good place for us all to start when that storm begins to hit. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let me tell you something, listen. The culture's gonna change. I'm almost 60 and I've watched the culture change, okay? And what God's word says, the rock says is look, don't copy the behavior of what the world's doing around you. Don't do that. Don't don't, don't copy the customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by the way you think. And, and, and that word right there, transformed, you, you, you see it? See that word right there? Let him transform you. In the Greek, that's the word uh, metamorphosize. So I rewrote it for you. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God metamorphosize you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now think about metamorphosis, Okay. Think about that caterpillar that's making its way up a tree, and now it's on a branch, and it spins a cocoon. And all of a sudden, it metamorphosizes from a caterpillar to something brand new. It's now a butterfly. That's what God wants to do. He wants to metamorphosize your life, beloved. He wants to metamorphosize your marriage. He he, he wants to make you into something completely different. And he does that by changing the way you, you, you think. So, How does the transformational process happen? How how does God metamorphosize your life? Well, it happens, like I said, by changing the way you think, by the renewing of your mind. And how do you change the way you think? You change the way you think by filling your mind with God's word, the rock. This is what Jesus was talking about. Warren Worsby said this, it's, it's it's a great quote. When the people of God, that's you and I, look into the Word of God, that's the rock, and see the glory of God, that's Jesus, the Spirit of God transforms them to be like the Son of God. Beloved, it all comes back to this. If you know Christ as your Savior, you, you, you're... You, you're you were given this. You were given the word of God. And Jesus said, you, you build your life on this. You build your life on this. And though the, the storm will hit your life or your marriage, a storm of the culture shifting. I want Hey, hey, Jesus says, your, your marriage, your life, you'll continue to stand. He promises, promises that. So, the question is, how, many time, you know, how much time do you spend in the Word? How much time do you spend in the Word? If this is the thing that literally transforms your life, this is the thing that God uses to, to, to change you into the man or the woman that he wants you to be. If this is the thing that God uses to, to make you and your spouse into the family, the couple that he wants it to be, how much time do you spend reading it every day? How much time? Man, that's just a great question to ask. This this is critical. You got to build your life, your marriage on this. Otherwise, when the culture of the you know uh, the 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 storm of the culture hits, man, we're just we're not going to make it. So, storm number two. You and your spouse need to be prepared for the crises that you're going to live through. Okay. This is the second storm. The first storm is is the culture. Be prepared. It's changing. Second storm are the crises that you are going to experience in your life. I uh, I googled, and you can have some fun doing this. What are the top ten, you know, most stressful things, crises that you know we we will face? And uh, number ten was transitioning to adulthood. You know, I was thinking back on that. I remember when I was like. 16 years old, 17 years old, all of a sudden I'm a junior in high school and, man, next year I'm gonna be a senior. What's gonna happen after I graduate or, you know, and all those kinds of things. Then all of a sudden you do graduate and you go to work or you go to school or you go to work for your parents or you sleep into the crack of noon, whatever it is you do. I mean, that is a very difficult, you know, moment that we all have to navigate. Uh, Retirement. Man, that's a stressful moment. You 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 might have been doing something, you know, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and all of a sudden you're done. They give you a watch and you walk out the door and and and, and now what? Right? Number eight was chronic illness or injury. Number seven, moving into a new home. Boy, isn't that stressful? Packing everything up, and moving it, and having to put it back out. Uh, financial problems. That that that's number that's number six. Some of you right now are experiencing financial troubles in your home right now. Workplace stressors. Boy, that's true, right? Starting a new job. Getting married. Separation or divorce. The death of someone you love, like your spouse or one of your children or a grandma or grandpa. These are some of the the crises that are gonna hit our lives. In fact, I want you to know, most of these will hit your life, and the thing about these crises are is most of the time they there's no advance warning. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and you got a pink slip. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and someone that you love dearly, you know, has, has passed away. I mean, it, it, these are storm. You know, this is a storm that's going to hit your life. These crises. They're gonna come. And if you're not prepared for them, let me tell you something. Man, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be in trouble. So, so what do you do? What do you do when your marriage you know, experiences you know, this storm? What, what, what do you do when you're in over your head? Well, I want you to listen to what the great prophet Isaiah said. He said this, and, and, and this is God speaking. God says, don't be afraid when you go through deep waters and great trouble, when the storms hit your life, when when the hurricane comes, when a crisis all of a sudden impacts your personal life or the life of you as a couple or maybe the life of your family, he says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, God says, you won't drown. I want you to know that's a great promise. That's a great promise. Beloved, when you're in over your head, when the, when the floods come, when the unexpected crisis hits your life or hits your marriage or hits your family, you got to remember three things from this particular passage. Number one, remember God says, don't be afraid. Don't get uptight. Don't worry. God has a plan for your life, and that plan for your life is greater than whatever that crisis is that just hit your life. You got to remember that. Yes, you're having problems. Yes, it's a crisis. I'm not, I'm not downplaying the, the crisis. I don't think God's downplaying the crisis. He's just simply saying this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because here's the deal. Man, I remember, you know, some floods that have happened here in Modesto. Man, we remember, you know, New Orleans and the floods, and, and you see, you know, the waters over houses, and you just go, whoa, and then all of a sudden, what happens? The waters recede, and God says, don't be afraid. That crisis that hit your life, yeah, don't, the water will recede, but the second thing he says is this. He says, remember, I'm going to be with you. When that crisis hits your life, God says, don't be afraid. And then he says, I'm gonna be with you. You're not gonna walk through that thing alone. You're not all by yourself in this. You may think you're all by yourself, but you're not all by yourself. I'm with you, I live inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, you're not gonna go through it alone. And then God says, remember, you, you, you won't drown. And that's a promise you can count on. Now, you may get wet. You may go under water a few times, right? You may think you're going to drown, but you're not going to drown. Why? Because God is with you as a plan for your life. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your family. He says, look, you gotta be prepared for that storm. The culture's gonna come and it's gonna blow against your life and your, and, your, and your family and your marriage. Be prepared for it. Hey, man, crises are gonna come and they're gonna blow against your life, against your family, against your marriage. You gotta be ready for it. And remember this great promise. Now, God doesn't say when you go over the flood. He doesn't say when you go around the flood. God says when you go through the flood. And here's the deal. Most of the crises that come into your life, guess what? You're gonna have to go through them. There's no shortcut. God says when you go through deep waters. The only way to get through a crisis is through it. And when the crises of life come into your marriage, you got two options. Here you go. Number one, you can either walk out you know, uh, through it together with your spouse, or you can walk out. Those are your two options. A crisis hits your life. All of a sudden, you lose your job. You, you lose someone you love. Uh, uh, the coronavirus hits, and now you can't leave your house. You got two options. You either walk through it together, or you walk out. Listen, if your marriage isn't built on the right foundation, when the crisis floods come, they're gonna sweep you off your feet and you'll drift apart and eventually you'll walk away. So what's the key to coping to a crisis? The key is commitment, right? Commitment to each other in your marriage. That's what's gonna carry you through the crisis, you know, uh, the the storm of of a crisis. Commitment means being willing to be miserable for a while. Let that sink in. When you stood there and you said, I do, and you looked into your bride's eyes, or you looked into your husband's eyes, and you said, I, I do, you said those two words, three letters, I do, you made a commitment. And a commitment means that you have to be willing to be miserable for a while. Because when a crisis hits your life, you're gonna be miserable. It's gonna happen. Commitment means being willing to be unhappy while you work out the problems. You're going to be unhappy at times in your marriage. The crises that hit your marriage, maybe you lost your job and it's horrible and it's crummy and you're unhappy right now. I get it. I can't fix normal. It's normal to be unhappy at times. But once you said I do, once you made that commitment, that vow you made means that you're willing to be unhappy. Instead of, you know, walking out, you hang in there even though it stings, even though you're really unhappy, you hang in there until you work it out. That's commitment, the, the willingness to forgo happiness for the purpose that the relationship may ultimately find satisfaction. Hey, look, the, the, the culture's gonna change. You gotta be ready for it. Crises are gonna hit your life. Here's the deal. The, you, you, you made a, a, a binding vow before God. You promise till death do us part, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And here's the deal: G- God expects you to keep the promise, even in the midst of the crisis that might come. He expects you to keep the promise, and it all comes down to your commitment. Stick it out, because the flood's going to recede. And that crisis that's horrible right at this moment, it, it, it's going to go away. I've got, um, one of the reasons why I got all these gray hairs and my hair went gray young when I was younger is because I've been through a lot of crises. Just because you're a pastor in a church, I've been here almost 40 years. And just because you dedicate your life to serving God in this unique way doesn't mean I've been exempt of troubles and crises. I've had a bunch of them. Some of you have had more, some have had less. They're come, and how you're gonna make it through as an individual or a couple is this idea of commitment. So so the first storm you and your spouse need to be prepared for is the culture that you live in. The second storm you need to be prepared for is the crises you're gonna live through. And storm number three, you and your spouse need to uh, be prepared for the changes that you're gonna have to live with, changes. Changes. You got a culture, man, that's, that's going to change. You got to be ready. got to be ready for crisis, but you got to re, re, be prepared for the changes. You see, here's the deal. Change is a part of life. It's a big part of life, okay? Change is inevitable. Everything changes. Everything except God, right? God doesn't change. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter three. He said, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Okay? There, there, there's, there's a season for everything. There's a season for everything in your marriage. marriage. Marriages go through stages, right? There's the honeymoon stage. There's the childless couple stage. There's the decision whether to have children or not stage. There's the raising your children stage. There's the preschooler stage. Chain, you know, stage. I'm I'm watching my own daughter, who got married. I've I've watched her go through each of these stages. She now has a a, a baby, my my grandson, Holden, who's about three, almost four months old. I'm watching them go through these stages. She's going to get to the preschooler stage. Then there's the raising children through grade school change. Then there's the parenting teenager stage. This is a stage you think could never go away. I'm in it right now with my youngest boy, but I've been through it. Then you've got the college years stage. Then you got the empty nest stage. Then you got the retirement stage. Beloved Solomon's right. Everything changes. There's a season for everything. (coughs) There's a season for your marriage. And here's the deal. If you don't learn how to adapt to change, your marriage is going to be in trouble. That storm is going to hit your life. One of the most common complaints I hear is this. Hey, Pastor Rick, my spouse isn't the person I married. And I always say, well, of course they're not. Neither are you. You're not the person that your spouse married. Because we're always changing, we're always growing, we're always developing, and we're always deteriorating, right? We change emotionally as time goes on, we change intellectually as time goes on, we change spiritually in our commitments as time goes on, and we change physically. I, I was, uh, uh, somebody had sent uh, a picture to me or sent it to my wife, and I was the, the, the speaker at Modesto Christian Spiritual Emphasis Week, I don't know, back in the 80s. I did it a number of times. And people sent me pictures of me speaking at the school, okay? And the first thing I thought when I saw those pictures, is I thought, wow, that's one handsome guy. That's what I thought. That's the first thing. But my kids saw it and went, who's that? <laughs> you know? And I got this dark mustache, you know, I got dark hair. I just didn't look like this anymore. I had no glasses, none. I had no hair coming out my ears. I had no hair coming out my nose. I am not the man that married Aaron. I have changed physically. And Aaron's not the woman that I married. She's changed physically. We change. It happens. It happens to all of us. Change is inevitable. So I want you to make the commitment to love your spouse for the rest of your life, no matter what the winds of change may bring. So what's the, the secret of coping with the winds of change? Well, I think the great apostle Paul said it best in in. Philippians chapter four, he said this. He said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances may be. I've learned to be content. With, when that storm of change hits my life, whether I, whether I, I, I got money, whether I don't got money, whether, whether I got kids or I don't have kids, doesn't matter I've just learned to be content, whatever the circumstances may be. And then he says, I am ready for anything. How? How can you be ready for the storm of of change that's going to come? Through the strength of Christ who lives within me. Paul says there are basically three attitudes that you need in order to cope with the changes that are gonna happen in your life or happen in your marriage, and the first one is contentment. Gotta to learn to be content. Contentment means enjoying the present. Don't, don't say, hey, when we get a bigger house, then I'll be happy, or, or when we have kids, I'll be happy, or when my kids are gone, I'll be happy, or if I can only get a raise, I'll be happy, or if I can you know, just buy a second house, all be happy don't ever say that don't let your circumstances be the source of your happiness learn to enjoy the present even when your circumstances are just really really crummy the second thing Paul says is you got to be flexible he says I'm ready for anything you got to be willing to adapt. You're changing all the time, and so is your spouse. And one of the great secrets of a successful marriage is the ability to grow and change together instead of being stiff and unwavering, which then leads to growing apart. And the third thing is is faith. Paul says I'm ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives within me. You need to say I'm trusting Christ to help me in the changes that I know are going to take place in my life, in my marriage, in my family. So here's the deal. I guarantee you that the rains are going to come. The rains are going to come and 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 bat, you know, bat in your, your battle your home just just knock on your on your home they're going to come they're going to try to erode your marriage i guarantee you that that the floodwaters are going to rise somehow trying to 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 drown you and your your marriage i guarantee you that the winds are going to blow to somehow shake the structure of your marriage i guarantee you those 3 storms are coming they're coming my wife and i have weathered those three storms many, many times. I can't even count how many times the rains have blown up against our lives, our marriage. I couldn't count how many times the floodwaters have risen in my life and marriage. I couldn't count how many times the wind has blown in my life and in my marriage. And maybe one of the things you could do you know, in your home tonight is if you've got some people over, maybe share what some of those storms have been in your life. Share around your table or whatever how you you weathered those storms. But here's the deal. When they come, I just want you to remember what Jesus said, okay? Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay? You you don't just read this. You don't just study it. You don't just memorize it or meditate on it. Those are all good things. But you gotta do it. James says we gotta be, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, or meditators on the word. Okay, Jesus said, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built his house on the rock and the rains came, right? That storm came, the, the, the flood rose, the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. When the storms come, make sure your marriage, your life is built on the rock. I'm gonna pray and then Tim's gonna end our time with a song, okay? So Father, thank you, Lord, for our time tonight. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this um, little text. Thank you for just the great sermons that I listened to over the last week or so on this text. Thank you for some of the great um, books that have been written on this text. Thank you for those that took this text and applied it to marriage. Thank you, God, for just good people throughout the centuries who have preached that we can read about and study. And God, I know you used those folks in my life. And now, God, I'm passing it on to my family out there, sitting in their homes and in their living rooms or wherever, God, and somehow, Lord, may the words of, of Jesus here in Matthew 7, may they rattle around in, in our family's hearts and minds, especially those that are married or maybe those that are getting married, that we would build our lives, that we would build our marriages on the rock, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen.